Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Detour Live. Uh, I'm your host, Dan Jones, joined as always by four-time National Road Champion, Johnny Trevorrow. And we've also got a couple of uh, special guests on the show today. Johnny and, and a regular is Olympic gold medalist, Scotty McGrory, who's just plugging in his iPhone charger, and I think he's ready to go. Scooter, can you hear us? I am. I'm on board. <laughs> why, uh, why you got such a red face, Scooter? I don't know. <laughs> the camera settings. The camera settings. <laughs> I thought it must be that Sunshine Coast, mate. <laughs> no, no, I'm in Bendigo at the moment. I'm freezing uh, at the moment. And you've got a magnificent backdrop there, Scooter. You've got a couple of musketeers or golfers or what's going on? Well, there's the three musketeers, those two and me. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, boys, uh, we had obviously the Melbourne and Warrnambool uh, on the weekend, and it was sensational coverage, I've got to say. Uh, they had the live stream going out with SBS. Scotty, you were there live as well. If you were sitting on your couch eating Doritos watching it. Um, and we've got the, <laughs> the winner of the race on the show today, Johnny. Jensen Plowright. Yeah, i got, I got to tell you, it was a sensational ride. I was so impressed. It was one of those days, every now and again, that Warnable pops up a, a benign day as far as the uh, as the conditions are concerned, but it made for a great bike race. So there was so many people in with a chance uh, with, in the last 10 kilometres. But the one person who really grabbed it by the throat was young Jensen. Now, he's only 20. It's his first Melbourne to Warnable. More track is one of our elite track riders. But... And he was the fastest in that little group near the end, but he didn't wait for that. He just took it by the throat and uh, hit him, attacked him, and then rode away in the last kilometre. I was very impressed. So uh, we should bring him on. No. Well, if you look at the run sheet, John, we've got the highlights of the race. So what if I show the highlights of the race first? I haven't seen a run sheet, Dan. Oh, I forgot to send it. Oh, that, that would make sense. <laughs> that would make sense. So what we'll do is just follow my lead, John, and we'll play the video first. We'll get Scotty's take and we'll bring Jensen on. Okay. So the 105th edition of the Powercore Melbourne to Warnable got underway with ideal conditions at Avalon Airport, and it didn't take long for the first of the attacks to go off the front. For a long time, it was a leading group of two riders with Raf Freinstein in the white colours of Inform and Sam Hill from Nero Continental at one point getting out to a lead of seven minutes. They worked well together until the back end of the race where fatigue started to set in, and eventually they were reeled in by the main peloton. As the group was approaching Warnable with 10 kilometres to go, it looked like it might have been set for a big bunch sprint finish, but then the attacks started in earnest once again. Amongst them was one of the pre-race favourites, the sprinter Jensen Plowright, who once they made the left-hand turn onto Raglan Parade, saw his opportunity. Plowright opened up a small gap, and from that moment on, it was destination victory. Plowright going across the finish line to take the win, and in the sprint for the minor placings, it was his teammate Ben Hill was the best of the rest in second position with Liam White in third place. Sensational result, Scotty. <laughs> yeah, it was. Look, obviously, you know, long day, 267 kilometres and absolutely dead calm at Avalon Airport. And I know amongst the, like, the big favourites, the real strong riders and some of the track riders like Luke Plapp, who was strong at the National Championships earlier this year, also Kelly Bryan spoke to him as well and he was second at the Road Nats. They, those guys really wanted a really tough, hard, you know, old school, traditional kind of warning, which means wind. And there just wasn't any. So it was fairly calm back in the peloton. Had a long break all day. It came back. And now I heard from uh, the second place getter, Ben Hill, that they were talking, Bridge Lane team, were talking to uh, Jensen throughout the race saying, 
just take it easy, save it for the sprint. You're one of the fastest guys. Then the split happened at the end and I was saying, just take it easy, Jensen, save it for the sprint. You're one of the fastest guys. And he went with everything. He went with the big move at the end and then he hit out just over a K to go at the end. So he did everything that a sprinter shouldn't do and was still strong enough, strong enough to come away with the win. So uh, Jensen's not just a pure sprinter. He showed in the morning on Saturday that uh, he's certainly a strong man as well. Well, as you said, Johnny, we've got uh, Jensen waiting in the, the virtual waiting room. He's here now. Congratulations, Jensen. You uh, you must be uh, pretty stoked with the result, mate. Yeah, it's been uh, been on cloud nine since Saturday afternoon. If he so, so just t- tell us what was going through your head uh, in that last ten kilometres when that, that that little small split happened. And you had, uh, you know, some good bike riders in the front. There was a dozen or more of you. But um, what was going through your head at that time? Because of some of your big uh, opposition, Sam Wellsford and Luke, uh, uh, were, were back there. Yeah, I was. Um, I was looking at the at the big track boys because they they can sprint. So <laughs> I didn't actually really want to go to the line with those guys either. So I I was active with thirty k to go, even though our my uh, DS told me not to. I was still active up front of the race. A few crosswinds as well, so I was cautious about those. But at the last 5K, got into that little mood with Trekkie. And um, I was still still anxious to keep it going. I was feeling really good. So, um, yeah, I was following moves. Also, knowing that I was strong enough to bring anything back, so I didn't mind if something, yeah, he went up the road a few metres, you know. <laughs> And, um, yeah, in that last kilometre, 1,400 metres, uh, I got a run at the, the little league group with Luke Blapp in it. They just uh, got off the front a little bit. So I got a run at them through the last corner, went around the outside, and they, no one was really following apart from Nathan Earl. And so I just uh, tested the waters and then sorry he wasn't catching up to me, so I kept kept the afterburners on and and right away. Mate, if it, was a fa- if it was a failed test, you would have been deep in the shit with the team. That's for sure. Being, being the designated sprinter and hitting out early. Yeah, but it was very impressive. Like when you 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 said Nathan Earl was trying to chase you. Now Nathan, strong bike rider, and he only had a couple of legs to bridge to you, but he could not bridge. Uh, you just put you put you. Put the gap in from there on. That was that was that was good night, Irene, for everyone else. Yeah, I was um I was still got those that track power from training here in in, in Adelaide with the track boys. So I used that to my advantage and and really put the hammer down. Now, if he for I was just going to say for our international uh, viewers and and listeners, I mean, can you explain how big the Melbourne to Warrnambool is? Yeah, well, <laughs> it's pretty easy for me to do because uh, you know, I, I love the event. And uh, uh, like uh, Scotty got iffy stories why we should have won it and didn't do it. But um, it, it, it's got, it, it is the second oldest road race in the world. So Liège, Baston Liège is the oldest. Uh, and uh, Melbourne Warnable um, is the second oldest. But it's been a, a, a major classic in Australia for a lot of years. I mean, you know, 18... I haven't got the dates in front of me. Uh, uh, 90-something, the first one was run. Um, and I think the first actual race was run by a, a bloody Kiwi. Can't trust them. But um, <laughs> absolutely, you know, it just built and built. So uh, I can remember the, the, the all of Melbourne were excited. They used to race 
uh, from Warrnambool to Melbourne at the beginning, and then they tried it a bit both ways. Most years it used to run Warrnambool to Melbourne, but they beat the time for the train uh, uh, racing, and that became a, a, a huge story. But, you know, a great tradition. Back in my day, it was always a handicap, so I'd give it away an hour start, which was a bit of a pain. But uh, yeah, I think it was in the mid-'90s they changed it to a mass start, and, uh, you know, but it, it, it's got, it's a wonderful bike race with a fantastic history. And and Jensa, do you get a sense? You're only twenty, but do you get a sense for that rich history of the event? Yeah, I do, but I'm also so young, so I don't really, I probably don't know it as well as I should, which is my honest opinion. But I, I do see all the names on the list, and it's pretty incredible the the guys that are, have won the race. Scooter. Jens, what, what we notice, say, in Europe at the moment is these riders that have come from, say, cyclocross and go straight onto the road and still win in those really long races, you know, Pidcock, Van der Poel and, uh, you know, well, Van Aert, these riders that, you know, coming from a really short racing background and then straight into the long road races. You know, it's only a few weeks ago that you won national championships on the velodrome up in uh, Brisbane, the enemy's velodrome. You won the points race, Omnium. Uh, how have you converted and how have you had found that transition? Obviously, it didn't affect you at all going from track training and track racing and then straight to a 270k bike race. Well, during lockdown, I did a hell of a lot of big rides and a lot of rides over 200k. So I had that good base and doing like all the track training, super strong track nuts. And then I had a couple, I had a week off and then I got back on the road. And I was feeling so good, even like three hours deep. And then I was getting four hours deep, still feeling good. And I've just uh, built on that since since track nuts. And it's it's converted really well, better than, I think, road to track. Um, are you all right, Scotty? I was just going to say, what do you, what do you, when you just considering all of that, do you look at so, the riders like Pidcock and... and um, Matthew Vanderpol and these riders, you know, what do you think about yourself and your future? You're part of this track program. So if the riders that are in the team pursuit for the Olympics this year, if any of those guys go pro, then spots will open up Commonwealth Games next year, only three years to the next Olympics. Is your ambition to go into the track and go to the Olympics or is it to go straight to the road or do a bit of both? Well, I don't know how much Timmy would like it, but I do like the road a lot. Um, so um, probably... Just depending on road contracts or what's going on with with how my racing is going. If I'm doing better on the track, I might stick with that for for longer. Maybe Paris. I'd love to do Paris actually, <laughs> but um, I think uh, yeah, uh, road is probably my preferred uh, discipline. And, I th- and yeah, Johnny, you you had a photo you wanted me to bring up. This one here. <laughs> yeah, well, interestingly, our major sponsor, uh, Bike Exchange, uh, after not long after uh, uh, Jensen crossed the line, he sent me a, uh, a note said, wow, I want to ride. I said, oh, good to see you watching the uh, a, a bit of the coverage, uh, uh, Mark. And uh, Mark Watkin is the CEO of Bike Exchange. He said, yeah, well, there's a bit of a family connection. I said, what's that? He said, well, Jensen was page boy at my wedding 12 years ago. So I think you would have been eight, uh, uh, Jensen, back then. And, um, yeah, so there, that one with the circle, that's uh, young Jensen. Um, what are your memories of that? Was in Bali. What are your memories of that one, mate? 
very cool wedding. <laughs> Only young, but it would have been good to be uh, 20, or, 20 years old and go to that wedding. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, yeah, they're not frosted. There. They're not frosted tips, are they? I think you're too young for the the tip look. I don't know. I was in Bali. You never know what's going to happen to Bali. <laughs> it's uh, that's that's the when you look at the photo, and the one thing you count Mark being a, a pom, mm. he understood. I said uh, you were definitely batting outside your bloody league, but anyway, he agreed with that. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what's your schedule look like for the rest of this season, then, uh, Jensen? Well, it's all up in the air, like to do with like Europe or. Track national, oh, track worlds, road worlds. There's a lot, lot riding on the the COVID outcome and what I want to do really. So probably aim for track worlds or road worlds as the the big goal. Depending on if I make the selection for the track team or if I get to get get to go to Europe with Team Bridge Lane later later on in the year. And, and how are the track guys going at the moment? Are we going to smash the Poms uh, as a bit of redemption for Rio? Yeah, well, it's, it's hard to know, isn't it? Um, they're, they're flying. They're always flying. Uh, they did very good trials uh, not too long ago. And it's looking, it's looking promising for, for Tokyo. I'm looking forward to seeing how they go, honestly. So, so t- tell us, I, I hear that you're a reserve in, for that team, but do you, tell, tell us how it works. Do you get to actually race with them at times, like in training? Are you, you know, get slotted in, slotted out, that type of thing, or are you just there in case one falls off and breaks his collarbone? Uh, we've got our own, like, we've got the Podium Potential Academy, so there's uh, five of us in that squad, and we're just, we're the next level down, so... We're, we're the next group to go through to to be the Olympic team. And so we do actually get to do Madison training with them and we also get to watch them do their TP stuff as, well, as while we're doing ours. So it's very exciting and they are dialed. Yeah. I, I saw them in Melbourne only a few weeks ago. Uh, Timmy invited me down and I, I went and watched them. And, uh, yeah, you're right. They, they were dialed all right. And, uh, yeah. They could have just been broke the world record that day, so uh, they weren't far off it. So they're yeah, pretty, pretty so, spectacular, really. So Scotty, you know, we're less than a hundred days from the Olympics. I mean, is this where the real sort of team mind games start coming into it? You know, secretive stuff. You drop a few little rumors. You throw out some times that are, you know, allegedly being breaking records and stuff. I mean, is is this where it really starts dialing up? Well, look, I think normally you'd be doing that, but it's so challenging with the, the postponement of the games. You know, they would have been doing all that last year. It was all the secret equipment that, you know, they had to announce the equipment uh, by the World Championships, I think, last year. So that was all done. But everyone else has now had, you know, over 12 months to actually develop their own, you know, stuff. And so, yeah, all, all, the, all the cat's out of the bag in terms of the what secret equipment they're going to use, um, times and trials and things like that. I know the Aussies have tried to keep that as secret as possible without letting little rumours slip out, but, you know, they seem to do that anyway. Um, they get out there, and, and I know that they have been riding extremely fast, but they're still up against the Danes who have the current world record, the official world record, so they'll be up again as well. Um, it's who's managed their people mentally the best in the last 12 months. You, know, you can imagine... For some of the guys that are just pure trackies that don't have a road program to go back to, 
it's been tough, really tough. And we've got this, we've got, I've got a, a, a national selection meeting tomorrow, um, my first time as a national selector actually, because Amy Cure pulled out of the national team last year when the Olympics were announced they were being postponed. That was going to be too much for her to wait another 12 months. So that spot has to be filled. Steph Morton from the sprint program did the same. So whoever's managed their people the best in the last 12 months to keep them motivated, keep them on on uh, on the right direction, I think they'll be the ones who will come out on top. And, and from what we can see, and listening to Jensen, you're seeing them, Jensen, on the track, they seem to be really on it mentally and physically. And I think that's uh, that's really the, the key, key factor. Who knows what the Danes and the Brits have been like, um, but I know the Aussies are dialed in, that's for sure. Um, Jensen, how tough was 2020 for you, mate, with uh, obviously the COVID uh, situation and restrictions and the, and the likes? Yeah, I started off the year going, we did a few road races and did quite well. So it was nice to start the year with a few results. But the, the full lockdown was pretty tough down in Melbourne. It was, what, three months? So mm. it was hard to find something to do. But I was training for testing with the for the academy. So... That was a that was a that was a few months of of doing four minute efforts and all the rest of it. So that kept me busy, but I also did a lot of long rides with a couple of mates and just went out and explored Melbourne and and Victoria really. So we did the we did massive rides. Did a four hundred k ride one day. Jeez, back two hundred k rides. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was actually a bit of fun and. Good for me, I think. Hey, you, you've so Team Bridge Lane are uh, supposed to be going to Europe for I think a four month stint this year. Um, and I ride a bit with a couple of your teammates up when I'm in and around Bendigo, you know, the Eddie brothers. What is the latest? You know, is there a schedule? Are flights booked? You know, what are you allowed to do? What are the what's the federal government saying? You know, who can go overseas and who can't? Because some riders have gone over, the pros have gone, but uh, you know, what, what's the go with you with Bridge Lane? Well, I haven't heard that much either. So, I think we've got we've got a few race starts over there, and I think the the management is still discussing it. Pending vaccines, if if we could get one get get a vaccine, that'd be mighty helpful. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's up in the air still. We're just we're just waiting on for team team to organise it really. And we're not hearing much because it's it's so they don't want to promise anything they can't deliver. What about pro contracts? Because we saw Jay Vine go from Zwift Racing, so NRS and Zwift Racing, to get a pro contract. Now he's a GC type rider, so you know the, the Zwift data shows that he could be you know good on the climbs, etc. In Europe, as he was in the Tour of Turkey in his first race. Now we've seen that with the women as well going into Tram um, Canyon team. But for you, as what we see as a designated sprinter on the road, you have to go and win races to get noticed. So you don't want to hang around for in Australia for too much longer, do you? You want to get to Europe and prove you're good enough to be a pro. I'm just desperate to do any race I can just to, to prove my ability to, to teams and sh- show what I've got. It's, it's, it's hard without any racing. Um, I know I've got... I got something that I can uh, I can show off. So, so just exactly. any race is, is handy. Three hundred and seventy k Melbourne avoidable. But yeah, look, I, I've been doing a bit of googling uh, of you when we knew we were going to talk to you today. So, um, and I see you won uh, Bernie Wheel race uh, a couple of years back. 
which is impressive. And I see you've been twice over the tour of New Zealand, and you went really well over there. When you stayed, you've got the yellow jersey for a while uh, in New Zealand. You want to stay in the tour of Tassie. So even though you're only twenty, you've, you've been um, you've been around for a while. Yeah, I've had a couple of results, but uh, <laughs> it really has slowed up in the last eighteen months, and it's. It's cruel because 2019 I went. I was racing with Dropak and they went to tour of Thailand, went to Europe for six weeks and did all these awesome races over in New Zealand as well. So it's just like, there you go. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's, it's just hard to come off that, all that racing and then just lounge around and ride by yourself for a year. Will it be, like looking back, so you go five, six, ten years down the road, do you think perhaps you could look back and actually see this period as a period where it really did um, identify you as a rider mentally capable of, you know, without having to just, because it's easy to get fit if you're going to races all the time and stay motivated if you're going to races all the time. But to do that when you've got nothing to train for, that's a different mentality. And it seems that you've been able to do that. So maybe this period actually will be good for you in the future. I think everyone that comes out of this period will be mentally stronger because in, in bike racing, sometimes you have a lull of no results or lack of form. So to cut and to learn that you can push through that and actually pick up some results again after a, a time away from racing, I think that's going to be very helpful for the future. I don't know about you, John, but my lull was about five years long. <laughs> I never got out of it, but anyway, that's another story. But I do have some good news for you, uh, uh, hopefully, uh, Jensen, because uh, um, working hard at the moment, but uh, I reckon the, the Bay Crits will be back in January. And oh, I, yeah. I was impressed with you and the Bay Crits uh, uh, when we had it last, which was not the January before last, but uh, you were knocking on the door. So I reckon you'll be uh, a big chance next one, buddy. Yeah, I'd love to have another crack at those. Wouldn't, wouldn't you love to go back to races that you did a couple of years ago and have another go? Uh, <laughs> I reckon that would be good fun. Well, we, we could, mate. Just focus on the bay crits. Exactly. We, we, yeah, could, yeah. we couldn't get through an episode without Johnny plugging his bloody bay crits again. So <laughs> but it's, it's good that you're excited, mate. But uh, now, nah, anything you want to ask if he's Scotty before we let uh, Jensen go? Yeah, yeah, just um, who who do you who who do you mentally work with? Have you got mentors or people that you look up to within the sport that have helped guide you to this point? Um, and you know that may have changed over the years, but uh, is there anyone there that you look out for? Oh, it's a bit hard. It's hard though. I like to bounce ideas off everyone that I've talked to or or meet or have had a or like a working relationship with. I think everyone's inputs is, is handy. So. No one in particular. Ago Giramondo has been he's been pretty good to me. He looks out for me and gives me good advice. So yeah. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard sometimes. What, what's the best know, bit of it? What's the best bit of advice Ago's given you? <laughs> L- listen okay, to your DS. Yeah. Put me on the spot here. Hey ballsy. Yeah, be balls. I've got one throwaway one for you, mate, because you're talking about in the not too distant future what you'd like to do. You're sort of contemplating road or track, but right, let's talk a couple of years down the track. Where do you see your future? Um, 
uh, in Europe on 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 as a pro on the road. Can you see that happening? Yeah. Yes, I can. Yeah. Go on. Why not? <laughs> I would like to. Uh, yeah, I reckon racing over in Europe and then coming back to Australia for track uh, to ride with the Aussie team. That would be ideal. In a perfect world. Well, I've got like no doubt. Sounds no like doubt. a plan. You're going to get there, mate. Um, we've had a couple of comments before we let you go. Yeah. Wendy, super fan, of course. Hi, Dan, John, Scott, oh, hi, no. Jensen. Awesome watching you come over the finish line. And uh, Great Divides wants to know, who does your hair? <laughs> oh, I do my hair, actually. Yeah. Oh, Every six. good old days. Uh, who does yours? Dan, who does that? Uh, Gillette. <laughs> Gillette. All of you. <laughs> Hey, hey, don't put me no. in there, buddy. No, 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 sorry, John, yours is definitely not thick, mate. You could almost concede as well. It's all right. It's all right. It's a bit yeah. wispy. But anyway. Hey, uh, <laughs> we, uh, the ceiling fan does his hair. Just sticks it up in the ceiling fan. Poof, done. <laughs> That's it. Mate, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show. You're an emerging young star, and we're going to be uh, tracking your career with a lot of interest, mate, and we're, we're pretty confident that you're going to make it over there in Europe and, uh, yeah, have some big big success, mate. So all the best, and, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on the detour. Appreciate that. Thank you, chaps. Thanks, Good on you, mate. Good on you, mate. You're a star. Take it easy. Thanks, bud. It's that time of the show. What a superstar. Jensen, uh, to plug the sponsors, Johnny, have you got? Did you take your scripts up to the backpackers? Yes, mate. <laughs> well, I went, I'm actually in the in, yeah, in the spare bedroom. I got kicked out of because Kay's watching a TV show, so okay, close the door. So we're here. Yeah, yeah, I got the scripts. Okay, go. kick things off. Go. Let's go, motorhomes. Yes, let's go. Look at it, a JK. You wouldn't believe it. Um, <laughs> What a holiday in Australia's best motorhomes and campers. They love helping people have incredible holidays. One of Australia's leading motorhome and camper rental companies, they've got a vehicle to suit every type of traveller. And remember, just give Andrew a call in at uh, Let's Go and he will help you plan your whole trip because at the moment, there's so many people travelling around. A lot of the caravan parks are full. There are lots of... Um, you know, free sites that, uh, that you, you can get these days. So if you talk to Andrew, tell him where you want to go, he'll plan the whole trip for you. So uh, a, a fantastic company. And Jayco, Johnny. Yes. Well, you wouldn't believe it. All the uh, all of the uh, Let's Go Motorhomes are Jaycos, um, but also you know, Australia's major recreational vehicle company, 45 years of experience, a great value for money, uh, designed and built to give you years of enjoyment. It's no wonder that one in every two new RVs on Australian roads is a Jayco. There's 29 dealerships around the country. So just if you're going to buy a caravan, where else would you go? But a Jayco, they're the biggest. But if you've got any interest in cycling, well, then you have to go to Jayco because he's been supporting Australian cycling for 25 years and uh, we should support uh, Jerry and Jayco. And uh, Mitchell and Wines, Johnny, if you want to get behind the uh, the Jaycos and the Let's Go's, <laughs> you might as well do it with a nice bottle of Mitchell and might as well keep the detour alive and go to Exactly. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> One of Australia's favourite wineries and a place of escape. 
Experience the history, the beauty, and the serenity of the Goulburn Valley at your own pace. I'm looking out at the Goulburn River as I speak. Looking over the vineyards from the iconic tower, staying at the new hotel, relaxing by the pool, recharging in the day's bar, and exploring the seasonal menu in the Muse restaurant. Stopping by the Provador and uh, touring the cellars, and of course, tasting their signature wines. So an amazing spa, and so you get recharged by day, relaxed by night, escape to a place of modern comfort and timeless beauty. Also, it is, yes, it's become renowned as the most amazing venue for weddings and those special occasions. There's a happy couple. There's another one. Yeah, another happy couple. Uh, And you, you can get married out overlooking, they've got a wonderful area set up there right overlooking the Goulburn, or the weather's a little bit inclement, they've got fantastic uh, spaces inside, uh, up on the tower, down in the cellar, and, of course, further down, there is the most amazing, there it is, venue for the um, uh, Aboriginal Art Gallery. It is the world's largest private uh, Aboriginal Art Gallery, and the, the works of art are amazing, and there it is. The ten thousand dollar Land Cruiser with the five point four million euro paint job. Five point four. She's bouncing around like Bitcoin. I, I, I reckon you. I reckon it got to five point five a couple of weeks yeah. ago, but it, yeah. and then it dropped to three point three. It's back up again. So yeah. uh, it's it's good yeah. news if if he ever Bloody wants Bitcoin. to resell yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> uh, all right. Is quick. Is quick word from our great mates at Bikey Change. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. <clears throat> it's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs. Semi-amateurs. And pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank. And these bars. This could be the perfect match, but not this one. This girl has a bike to sell, and thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on Bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours, and the latest data and insight help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace, with over 500,000 products and 900 brands, where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns, and rides. Thanks again to our great mates at Bike Exchange. Now, we were talking earlier, lads, about the Olympics. Now, Scotty, you mentioned before that uh, you're actually on the selection committee. When will they actually announce the teams for Tokyo? Well, some have already been done. So the men's uh, men's side for the track have already been announced. It was just that Amy Cure pulled out after the announcement last year that the games were being postponed. So that hasn't that her spot hasn't been finalised yet. So we will be going through that tomorrow. Um, and we've also got to discuss what's going to happen now that Steph Morton has pulled out of the sprint program as well. That's left a really big hole, actually. So we were a solid chance in you know for three, three medals, team sprint, Kieran and sprint with Steph Morton. And then she's gone on to be a policewoman and pulled out of the program. So uh, it really has left a big hole in the women's sprint department. Amy's position in the team pursuit, that should be filled with someone fairly similar to her. So I don't think that'll be too much of an issue. Um, and I think we're still going to be competitive in that. Uh, but all the, the male team pursuiters 
the guys that were racing around at Warrnambool trying to beat uh, Jensen Plough right, you know, they, they're solid, been locked in for a while and ready to go. The road race and the road events, that's still to be completely finalised, um, not far from having that done. And they've got a few issues with the BMX, actually. So the BMX was a bit of a challenge because of uh, you know all the COVID postponements throughout last year and, and you know, the start of this year has been a challenge as well to get enough uh, events for, for to riders to qualify in. And BMX Freestyle, which is new at the Games this year, we've got the first and second best freestylers in the world, um, yet only the number one nation ranked gets to take two competitors. The rest, it's only one competitor each. So if America gets over the top of us before the final qualifying, then they'll get to take two riders. We'll only get to take one, but yet we've got the number one and number two ranked in the world at the moment. So uh, watch this space for that one. We should be okay with that um, and should probably then pick up a gold medal, hopefully, in BMX Freestyle. What are the new events that are coming into the Olympics this year? Uh, rock climbing is one. Um, so there's a couple like speed climbing and then there's bouldering as well. So two different elements within within rock climbing. And that's gone away from, you know, traditional outdoor proper rock climbing. This is stuff that, you know, the new generation of climbers are coming from the gyms and all these climbing gyms around the world. So mm. it's a different sort of breed. Um, a little bit more, well, it's probably safer. You know, if you miss a hold and slip, you don't die this time. You just fall onto a mat yeah. rather than being up a, up a cliff somewhere. Uh, surfing is in for i think it's demonstration sport perhaps uh and um skateboarding i think skateboarding is another one that's in this time now in paris i think they're talking about i'm not sure it was confirmed or not but they are talking about break dancing coming into the mix uh. now we all know break dancing has been around for a long time i didn't realize people still did it though so obviously it must be still popular and no disrespect to anyone that uh, is a break dancer but um yeah i, I still do it yeah oh yeah <laughs> You break things when you dance. You break things when you dance, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, the, I mean, the most the most common question is like, you look at what's happening in India at the moment, and then the IPL, you know, having their issues. How the hell can they run the Olympics in the current climate? Like, that's the biggest question that people are going. Hang on, how's this going to work? Well, the 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 how how can they do it? Um, because of money. And purely because yeah. of money, and they'll make yeah. so many sacrifices because it's cost so much, it's worth so much. So they're going to want to make it happen. Every athlete apparently now has to be vaccinated before they go, which you know that makes sense. They better get onto it though, because you know it's what is it between I think six and twelve weeks between um, jabs for the vaccine. So um, the athletes need to get onto that. We haven't been great with our vaccine rollout, so hopefully the athletes can get covered. And there is some pushback. From the residents in Tokyo and around Japan, because you know mm. it's a real hotspot at the moment, and they want to get looked after before they have a sporting event. But this particular sporting event is so big, mate. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Iffy. Yeah, well, I was just saying they're on their their fourth wave. But now I do notice that, uh, or I did uh, talk to Scotty uh, about ten days ago. He was uh, racing into Sydney uh, to do a. Um, a voice test because not only is he a selector for the Olympic Games, but he is going to be uh, on with the voice of cycling. Phil Liggett and, and uh, Scotty are doing the commentary on on uh, cycling mm. for for, uh, for Channel Seven. So um, now you had to do uh, a test because you're going to be calling it from Sydney and he's going to be calling it from from London. So how did it all go? And, and tell us how it's going to work. Oh, well, look, long story short, but it'll still be long. Um, I went to Sydney to do the test, but we are doing it from Melbourne. So we're calling it from Melbourne. Couldn't do it from Melbourne because the production company behind Channel 7 
that are setting up the studio haven't done that yet. So their facilities that they have ready are in Sydney. So I went up there to do it. Same everything, same infrastructure that we will have when we're in Melbourne. Anna Mears is also involved with the commentary alongside me. So Anna and I will be in Melbourne. Phil will be in London. But the challenge we wanted to um, to test was when they send, like when Anna and I see the video, we see it straight away through their system. But then we have to send that footage to Phil, and that takes 24 frames to get to Phil, which is about one second. So what they're going to do is delay the footage coming to Anna and I by 24 frames. So at least Phil and we will see the same vision at the same time. But when he commentates, yeah. it'll take 14 frames to get back to us, about a half a second. So he'll be half a second delay uh, before he gets to us. So the danger is that we talk over the top of each other, which, you know, you just that's the ultimate sin. You don't want to do that. So we had to do some tests to see if it was going to work and be okay. And, you know, we sort of, we, understanding there would be a slight delay, you we never talk over top of it. Oh, sorry. No, we do. <laughs> no, we do the finger. So, uh, <laughs> uh, Dan and I have got a great system. Yeah. Yeah. We so the that really can yeah. let that and work it out. Um, and we'll also have we'll have a camera on our commentary position. He'll have one on his. So we'll be able to see him in vision. He'll be able to see us, and we can put our hand up the same. You know, if we want to jump in and do something. You know, the challenge really is going to be on the track. You know, when you're doing the sprint, Kieran, and those events when it's really fast and furious and things are happening quickly. So we just need to be really diligent about how we work as commentators. Um, but yeah, it's going to be manageable. manageable. Um, you know, I was devastated that we as commentators weren't going to Tokyo in the first place. And this was before the pandemic hit. You know, we were told that budget restraints and they weren't going to send all the commentators over there. So I was a bit pissed off about that in the first place. But now no one's going. It's only going to be the athletes. Channel 7 are sending just a couple of reporters to, to go into the mix zone for interviews and some colour stuff. That's it. Hosting, commentary, everything's going to be done from Australia. Yeah, That's the one thing that COVID has done for this industry. <laughs> It'll never get back. I mean, people who normally go to the Tour de France and all that, you know, they're probably not going to get back there. It's going to be done uh, mm. remotely from now on. They're going to save millions of dollars and it's working. But I still reckon, as you would agree, Scotty, it's not the same. You you don't get to mix with the athletes. No. You don't get that vibe, that feel. You know, uh, it's not the same. No, you're right. Look, and, and you'll call the pitches, and as a professional, you'll do the best job you can as a commentator. You'll make it sound as if you're there and exciting, et cetera. But particularly the velodrome, like when you're at the track at the Olympic Games, and that's still, uh, still a highlight of my actual professional racing career and post was being at the velodrome in London when Chris Hoy won the Kieran. And it wasn't because it was Chris or anything in particular that I knew him or anything. It was just that it was a legend of the sport on his home track in his last Olympic Games and the crowd went absolutely berserk. And he was crying, he was in tears. I actually, uh, I looked across at Phil Liggett from my commentary position. You could hear through your headphones, you know, the, the atmosphere and the roar of the crowd. But I looked at him to make sure he was mid-sentence and then I actually just took the headphones off my head because I wanted to hear that noise and that roar through my own ears, not through the you know the speaker system and, and through the headphones, and then put them back on. It was just amazing, and yeah. you cannot replicate that. Um, and that's something that we're certainly going to to miss. But you're right; the, the companies have saved so much money. I heard something about uh, I think NBC not sending mm. crew to uh, to the Tour de France last year saved them you know seven million dollars <coughs> or something. So. Any bean counters in a television network company now is going to say, mm -mm, we won't be going back there again. 
The funniest was when we used to do the Fox Sports coverage at the tour back in the day, and we'd go hang out at the NBC media tent just because they had food and we were like seagulls trying to get scraps or <laughs> you know watch their TVs or whatever. And then remember we'd talk to them and they'd go, hey, so we'd say, how many people in your crew? And they said, ah, we, you know, we run a tight ship. We probably got 150. And you're like, 150 people? And they go, hey, how many uh, with you guys at Fox? I go, ah, two. <laughs> you look at it. It's us. <laughs> this is it. And then we were, the other, the other one was when we were pushing for position in the in the media scrum at the at the mix zone, and we we knocked over the Chinese crew, and uh, we we got in front of them, and they said, "Oh no, it's okay. We don't have that many viewers anyway." And we said, "How many viewers have you got?" They said, "Oh no, it's like twenty mil or something." <laughs> what? Our stuff goes out to about. 2000. So. <laughs> oh, come on. It was more than that. Yeah. Not, not but, uh, talking about numbers, do you, mm-hmm. I was quite like, we, we went through it before, but with the Melbourne Warnable, not what think, um, as you said, I was sitting there uh, eating Doritos. I was actually, I'd been for a ride. I, I went to the start, but I didn't go. I normally go to all. I didn't. So I got home. Went for a quick ride, and I knew it was coming on live stream at eleven thirty. So I opened the computer. I had still had the bike nicks on, and I thought I have a quick look. And it was fantastic. The live stream was absolutely brilliant. Now they had a few issues early on because of uh, uh, you know where the, the, the Telstra coverage in some of those rural spots. But uh, Matty Keenan and, and Dave Macker handled that really well. They had pre they were ready for that. But the last couple of hours, it was just, it was just fantastic, and they had forty thousand views 40 000, uh people watching it that is staggering uh for, for live streaming mm. well shout out to uh ian gates and karen jones and all the crew that pulled that together that's that's great and i mean you know you look at the national road series in australia that's scotty. scotty was a scotty was scotty. a part of the TV crew yeah, yeah that's right well, i've been i'm recording at the moment so today and, and tomorrow i'm recording the uh the commentary for the highlight show that will go on sbs this weekend um, so yeah, and I was actually there as like, doing the interviews and stuff, pre and post race stuff. Yeah. yeah, but I think particularly for the NRS in Australia, I mean that has to be a big priority in terms of spreading the message. You know, mm-hmm. trying to get as much content out there as possible because people will watch it. Like if it's there, they'll they'll, they'll digest it, and they're meeting the characters uh, like Jensen tonight. I mean, it's it's crucial because there are so many characters in the sport. I mean, he's a, he's a ripper. You can tell he, he just sounds like that country bloke that you meet down at the pub. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and we didn't – I was going to ask him this because, yeah, he does have a reputation of uh, of win it or bin it. Um, but that's a yeah, typical sprinter, you know. He wants to be at the, at the line first. Um, there was a big crash at the Nationals in the scratch race, actually, that uh, he was involved in. And he was involved in it because he caused it. That's why the crash happened. But uh, was, he was desperate to get a win. Um, but that's sometimes that's the attitude you need to have. Uh, and, yeah, he'll get a lot of wins and he'll probably have a few stacks along the way as well. But, hey, look at the start of the season. Because of the tour down under not running as it normally does, you know, with all the European teams coming out, then Stuart O'Grady and the crew over there decided to make it a National Road Series event, um, which was, you know, it was almost like the grand final of, of NRS races. It's the biggest they've ever had, which was great. Now we've had the Melbourne to Warnable with, with great coverage with the live streaming. They've tried it a few times in the past. This is the first time that it's worked um, to this level, and it was much, much better than it has been. 
So uh, while things are being postponed, it's still challenging. We've had two absolutely cracking races for the NRS this year. So hopefully we can build on that. Uh, before we wrap up the Olympics, what's who's our best chance of, of a medal at the Games, do you think? Oh, best chance. Um, look, it's the, it's the BMX freestyle. Is so um, Brandon Lupus and Logan Martin. They're our best two chances. So Brandon's the current world champion, um, and Logan was the world champion. So those two duke it out. They train not always together, but they are up on the Gold Coast and they do a lot of training at the same facility. So they feed off each other. It's great to have the two best guys in the world, you know, competing against each other, pushing each other, and encouraging each other, which they really do in that particular sport. From the traditional cycling events. Uh, I think it's our team pursuit, our men's team pursuit squad. Um, they're on the money. They're right there or thereabouts. The question mark is what are Great Britain going to do? I think they've actually benefited Great Britain by having this extra year because they're starting to get a little bit thin with some of their, the numbers in their squad. So I think they've had another 12 months to, um, to actually work with a few riders. And Ed Clancy, I think, was having back issues as well. So he's the greatest team pursuit rider of all time. He has won three Olympic gold medals. He's on his way to perhaps try to get four. So we'll wait and see what the G Team GB do. Denmark um, are also the other ones in the mix. So I think it's our team pursuit men and our BMX freestylers that are our out-and-out -out best chances. But I'll be looking forward for the Madison guys, both men's and women's Madisons. They're back in the event, uh, the games for the first time. Can be a bit random, but uh, I'm sure our Aussies, uh, in particular the men, have got a real chance in that as well. Have they picked the team? So who, who's the uh, men's team for the uh, Madison? The, I, that I'm not really sure. That I don't know. It's still like they've got four guys. You're a bloody selector. What do you mean you don't know? You no, can no, say, well, no, we haven't selected it yet. You can't say you don't know. No, One no, or the no, other. No, no, no that's, that's correct because you're selecting a team to fill the spots. How they work out within what races they ride, that's up to Tim Decker and the national coach. So it's got nothing to do with the selection process. So they've got four four guys to choose from. Yeah, they're a bit wishy-washy to me. Jeez, no, you're no, quite, no, ag quite aggressive, John. Welcome back, Scott. A couple, couple of people grabbed me the other day and said, You've got to get more aggressive. But they met me. I think they met with you, Dan. You got Dan's always bloody getting stuck into you. I said, so, yeah, so sorry, yeah. Scotty. I, I <laughs> missed that for Dan. It's all right. I'll, I'll just deflect it straight back up to him. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> hey, uh, back back to the road racing now. Um, obviously, the standout from the weekend was Romedy in the the crash uh, with uh, <laughs> Garrett Thomas. We love that. Yeah, for me, it was like it, that was unbelievable. 100, 100 meters to go, and he just simply 50. went to change. 50. 50. Just went to change his gears and whoopsie-do. But uh, we've obviously got the Giro coming up, lads. And and if we look at the odds... Uh, hey, did you see... Did you? He put in himself, he tweeted, or no, he Instagrammed that, uh, his own photo of that. Did you see that? No. Thomas, it was a cracker. So because he's, he, he's as he's fallen down, he's sort of on, on the side. Someone, mm. I, I guess he didn't do this, but someone has put him in a rugby scene as if he's scoring a try. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, yeah. he put that out himself. So obviously he wasn't yeah. badly hurt, otherwise he wouldn't have. But uh, hey, Richie was going well as well. So Richie, yeah, Richie also made it. Really good. Wait and see. Yeah. 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 Um, I'll see if I can bring up that Garen Thomas uh, Instagram post. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I can see it. Uh, I'll share I'll share the screen. Um, hang on two seconds. Keep talking, lads. Uh, obviously, yeah, the Giro as well. Um, is that working? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. 
That's the post. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So the other photo shows him, you know, falling, and then yeah, then then that one scoring a try. Now he's a big Welsh fan, isn't he? You know, yeah, Welsh football, yeah. So, Welshman. Yeah, Welshman. Awesome. So that's cracker. Hey, is it, it's interesting with the um the odds? So Egan Bernal, they have as the favourite. Fair enough. Yeah, France winner for the Giro, but equal second favourite in those odds that you sent through, Dan. You had Simon mm. Yates, which is great for for bike exchange, but he's sharing equal with Remco Evenepoel. Mm. He's still, he's only just now coming back from that terrible crash at uh, um, Il Lombardia. Well, he hasn't had a race, has he? This yeah. is going to be his first race. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. But how yeah. would you put him up as equal favourite? Now, you yeah. probably can't put it past him, but wow. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I think his teammate actually is the you know the young kid who uh, who finished fourth last uh, last year. Uh, which is Joel name, you know, Almeida. Yeah, Almeida. Yeah, Almeida. I think he uh, that's who they'll be riding for. Same with Banal. I reckon it's uh, most likely to be the Russian. Um, what's his name? Six. Blasov. Cisco. Yes. But um, um, how do you reckon Joy Hindley's going to go? Yeah. Let's hope he goes well. Is that your well, phone, I, I, John? Is it ringing, is it? Yeah. It's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. It's Just right. take it off your table. Okay. Thanks, mate. Okay. Yeah, Jai Hindley. Yeah, look, I, okay. it'd be a great story to see Jai, uh, you know, come back to, to imagine getting to a Grand Tour and having the, the leader's jersey, a pink jersey on at the start of the final time trial stage and then having it ripped off you. That would be you just spend the whole year wanting to come back. But he's had a few challenges um, and he's just getting back into form now. So I think even Jai is not 100% sure on how he's going to go. But, hey, he's a classy young athlete and uh, they're backing him, even though I hear rumours he could be uh, leaving uh, for next year. But um, Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? We're, we're, what are the rumours saying? Where is he going to? Just between us. Yeah. Look, they, they're saying that he could be trekking somewhere else, but they're not sure exactly where. Right. Uh, okay. Well, right. speaking of um, trekking somewhere else, Nibali is on, going to be on the start line three weeks after breaking his wrist. Yeah, so, it's ooh. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Matty Heyman. Yeah. His was the elbow. And another interesting one's going to be George Bennett, who's got the opportunity to lead his team in a grand tour. I didn't yes. even realise. We had him on the social distance last week and he was talking about being on this training camp. And then he said how – I said, who who you got leading the team for the Giro? And he said, me. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. Yes, oh, thanks for the confidence, mate. <laughs> yeah. All that training so, out the window just with one – It's a very open uh, uh, Giro. And, of course, si uh, Simon uh, Yates, who talked about people uh, having motivation. Well, you know, two years ago – it looked like he had it in the bag. It was dominating it like he was really in charge. And then one bad day, cracked, and Froomey's come up with one of the great rides of all time uh, and turned it right around. Then last year, comes in as favourite with fantastic form and, and, and gets COVID and kicked off the race. So I reckon there is a fair bit of fire in the belly of Mr Simon Yates. Well, are they better off not having the jersey and trying to take it right near the end, Iffy? To take that pressure of off and not having the team, obviously. Of course, they would want to do that. Got a pretty good team. But it doesn't always. That's wonderful, you know. As uh, Alan Piper said, "Come into Paris in your slippers." That is wonderful if you can do it. I mean, they managed to do that to do it in France last year, uh, UAE. But that's very unusual. So, I mean, that's the perfect scenario. 
And that normally that can happen for someone who's a very good time trialer and can sort of sit back, be close, and then bang, do that big time trial. But that's not Simon's uh, forte. He's not a brilliant time trialer. He's better than he was. He goes okay. But there are guys there. Um, Bernard's not a great time trialer either. So a couple of guys. But but it's very hard the last few days. The last week is the solid week. You've got the in Dolomites here. You've got two days in a row with only three days to go, which are really hard. So that would be where I would reckon that they would be um, uh, planning to to uh, really have their big attack. And and the other big news, if we for particularly Aussie audiences, is it's back on SBS for the first time in, what, five years or so? Oh, more than that. Bloody Joe Pesci's been trying to squeeze too much coin out of the <laughs> out of the uh, territories. I reckon it's quite no, it's, it's more than five years. It's been a long, long time since uh, since SBS have shown it live, which is fantastic. And yes, that's great. Uh, and uh, I'll be writing just as big a news. I'll be writing daily stories for the Geelong Eddie. Oh, jeez! <laughs> I will put that up on the uh, on the website. And even bigger news. The Detour Podcast, we're going to be just about every day, uh, Daniel. Yes, yes. Saturday nights might be a bit tricky, uh, but we'll work our way around that. And uh, yep. Wednesday nights, we might be going a bit later. But, um, yeah, no, and we're when, definitely going to commit the, to the hit. And whenever the Hawks are playing, if it's a yeah. night. Or if nah. uh, the, the crew from Sale come up on a weekend and want to get on the cans, <laughs> then it might be a bit of a delay. So, <laughs> But, no, we'll work our way around it. There are eight Australians in in the race. I only just looked this up before, though. But eight Australians: yeah. Caleb Ewan. Um, you know, he's our, our favourite for stage wins, of course. So uh, interesting start to the season for Caleb. You know, he's been there or thereabouts, a couple of wins, but not dominating. It's interesting with the sprinters how it sort of ebbs and flows. Um, but no doubt, I reckon he's in the money. Um, Viviani. It will be competition. He needs to do something because he hasn't been very good uh, this year since he changed to Cofidis. Um, Sargon is riding the Giro as well. Um, yeah. He's had a win, but it's not the Peter of old. So let's see if he starts to, to progress. He's bl- blew him with his manager as well, isn't he? He the is. Well, my old mate, Dink, the owner of the team. So I, I raced a, an amateur six-day with, with his boss years and years ago. Um, yeah, and he's done the wrong thing by sledging him, you know, especially when he's getting paid so much money. You know, keep that stuff behind doors. Otherwise, you'll end up losing Peter. Um, so we'll see how that, that plays out. But look, we got – so Joy Hindley, you've already mentioned. Chris Hamilton – and Michael Storer, they're riding for DSM. Cam Meyer, the Aussie champ. So we get to see the uh, the green and gold colours of the Aussie champ, Cameron Meyer, riding in bike exchange along with Michael Hepburn, Callum Scottson, and Nick Schultz. So they're the, the eight Aussies. 34 countries represented. It was a little bit of useless trivia I looked at as well. Is there a team time trial on this year's Giro? No. No, no. individual. So time trial okay. to start with. So 8.6K time trial to start with. So that'll... Give it, get a couple of the second you know gaps between everybody. Um, stage two is flat. Then there's a couple of rolling um, stages. I think stage four is the first hilltop finish. It's a cat two, but you know that'll be the first yeah. chance to sort things out a little bit. Um, typical Giro, you know, like they Walter does it a little bit as well, didn't they? You know, like throwing a flat stage, but then within the first couple of days, have some sort of hill stuff in there to really mix yeah. it up and and take the the pink jersey away from the sprinters. There's 100% going to be surprises. Like, I just don't think, even after back of last year, like, it's just not going to follow a set plan. There's going to be something. Um, but we'll, we'll at least be able to check in most days with Whitey, ask what the menu's like, if they're following <laughs> protocols at the buffet. So, no, that'll be good. And uh, then, uh, you... 
But the good thing yeah. about uh, well, the different it's back to normal. I mean, we got the Giro first, then the Tour. But last year it was all uh, uh, messed around. Yeah, we had the Tour de France first, which uh, just uh, didn't seem right. And you know, the whole COVID thing, uh, we we managed to get through them. I still don't know how they did it, but uh, and they've still got the COVID thing going pretty bad over there. It's big riders, you know, having pull out teams having to pull out only recently. So. Uh, it's going to be uh, a big test to get through still. It's not uh, lay down Mazir, that's for sure. Johnny, you remember, because um, a lot of the discussion last year was the unknown with COVID and then the tour first. And I remember we were, we were talking about, let's wait to see the third week of the tour. Let's see who's prepared enough on their own, you know, without any races. It was a great race. Obviously, it was a great race. It was a great end of the season. Races thick and fast. You, you, you forgot about big races because there were so many that had just come, you know, in the couple of days afterwards. And that seems to have continued for me. Like this, going into this season, the racing has been just fantastic, really exciting. Like yeah. as if everybody's desperate to make sure they get a result in case everything shuts down again. But mm. the only thing that's been cancelled or postponed, the significant race has been Paris-Roubaix. Yeah. Um, everything else has, has been run. And, and Roubaix will be now later in the year, so that'll be interesting. No cobble classics, one-day races for those type of riders to prepare for at a different time of year. So that could be the one race that might be really interesting at the end of the season. Roubaix. Yep, Roubaix. definitely. Yeah, for sure. sure. All right, well, when's it all kick off? Friday night, is it? Saturday. Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday. So they're doing the full, full, full three weeks this time, which is great. All right. Well, we'll be back then on uh, Saturday night for the Detour Live, and uh, we'll see what special guests we can get. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a massive three weeks. Anything, Dad, before we go, guys? Well, Chris has got his arm to come and uh, join us whenever he can uh, for uh, the Giro. I know he loves the Giro. So uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us quite a bit, Scotty. Yeah, yeah. I'm around, mate. Um, well, yeah, I, can, I can join you because there's not much work on for me at the moment. <laughs> well, uh, I'll uh, I'll dig through the. I think there's some hard drives for that 2009 Giro, so we might get in the DeLorean and re uh, recap Good some lens. classic classic memories. I'll I'll dig in and find that that protest stage. Oh no, oh, no. <laughs> with Cavendish. Yeah. Interesting stage this is a win nonetheless. Yeah, we're right. the drunk McGrory, the drunk reporter stage. Yeah. Yes. Well, and, um, Alan Davis, Alan Davis with the dodgy the, the uh, Delhi stage eight. So That's you know, right. Yeah. All right. Well, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll probably go to air. We'll we'll let you know. Follow us on socials. Probably around seven p.m. each night, like we did last time. As we always say, follow us on youtube.com forward slash D Two Podcast. Turn on notifications, and we'll see you all on Saturday night for the kickoff for the Giro. Thanks again, Scooter. Thanks, Hippie. See you Cheers, all soon.